Your Brain on Weird is recorded in private homes in a state where marijuana is recreationally legal. This show's content is intended for adult audiences only. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome to your Brain on Weird. Or if this is your first time listening, welcome. Welcome. I'm Jess. And I'm Sam. And uh, we're your, we are your hosts. We are. This is a podcast where we talk about some weird stuff. We talk about spooky, creepy, wacky stuff. Anything paranormal that makes you go really, really makes you shink, you know? It really makes you shink. That's what we're about here. Yes. Well, uh, vibe check. How you feeling? I'm exhausted. I walked a really far way on Sunday, and it's now Tuesday, and my back hurts. Uh, I'm sorry, man. So I'm just kind of hanging out. Gotta do some yoga, some stretching. Yeah, I do. I do. I, like, downward dogged too hard last weekend and hurt my shoulder so oh no oh man i'm sorry it's okay do you have have one of those back roller things no oh you gotta get one i will i will try recommend um but i've drank a ton of water already today actually i have too i think i'm on my fourth glass now nice all right yeah yeah how you feeling besides hydrated i think i think i'm better than i have been the last couple of days last couple of days have been rough uh, it's like one of those things where it's like everything is going fine and you know that everything is going fine, but for some reason you're just like, you're just on high alert, like something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand. It's, uh, it's been that. It's just been anxiety for the last like few days, but okay. I feel slightly better today. I put up the little weird this morning, uh, or last night early this morning, and I was pretty stoked about that. Yes. I did start listening to it this morning. I didn't have time to finish it before we recorded, but... That's okay. That's okay. I listened to it when we were editing, and it was very good. I liked it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can't wait until it goes out because I I want... Or I can't wait until more people listen to it because I want want people to tell me what they think it is. Or I want people to be like, oh my god, I experienced something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am excited. Oh man, okay, I gotta tell you, um, related to that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Nick listened and, uh, he was like, I'm really upset that you told me that there is a ghost in our house now because, um, I definitely, like, had something happen last week and I was like, why is he upset then? Because he could have just like brushed it off, right? I guess so. And now he's like, yeah, I was like lying in bed and my feet were out from under the covers because he gets hot. Mm-hmm. And Artemis was lying like on top of his chest. Yeah. And he just fucking like feels like a tail like back and forth on his foot like a cat walking by. <gasps> oh dude hell yeah okay confirmed Confirmed. yeah and he was like i'm really upset that that this is a thing and i was like why (laughs) what reason does he have to be upset he doesn't want a ghost in our house 
Dude, but it's a cat. It's ghost cat. It's ghost cat. It's either ghost cat or like, I don't know, some kind Small of Small like, demon. Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay, Zach Bacons. <laughs> <laughs> wow, rude. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, that's it for me. Do you have anything me. else? Okay, no, okay, okay. No. Okay. Tell, tell Nick to not be upset. Okay. It's a friend. Um. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. One more thing. Okay. Nick is upset <laughs> that Jeff got to do our intro, and he wants to be able to participate in our podcast as well. <sighs> okay. Someone find a job for Nick. <laughs> if you have any suggestions on what Nick can do. For no money. Keep it in mind. Email us or tweet us. Thank you. Okay, now I'm done. Okay. I swear. I mean, Jeff just did it because he used to do, he used to be in radio. So, you know, he has his radio voice and he likes using it. So he was actually, he actually wanted to re-record it because he, he said it didn't sound enough like his radio voice. I was like, dude, it's okay. Anyway. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to hear a story. All right. I'm going to take a rip. I'm going to take a sip of my crof so I can talk real fast. Got to go fast. But for real, if I am talking too fast, please tell me to slow down because I love this story. I love this story so much. Oh, what is it? This is the legend and haunting of Loftus Hall. We're going international. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My sources for this um, were... Mostly Wikipedia, um, The Legend of Loftus Hall, which is a book by Chris Rush. Um, the Legend of Loftus, Loftus Hall is kind of more of a fictional detailing of the story, but it's based on like really extensive research. Like he actually went there and talked to the owners. Um, and I listened to the podcast Astonishing Legends did a really, really in-depth episode on this. Um, so if you like the story after you're done listening and you want to go listen to them talk a little bit more about the history and stuff like that, um, I highly recommend that because that's where I actually learned about this. All right. Sick. Yeah. So I'm going to give a quick history. Um, all right. It's kind of, it's very, it's a lot. So Loftus Hall was originally known or, um, it's, it is also known as Redmond Hall or just the hall. Ominous. Which makes me think of it makes me think of the SpongeBob episode. Oh my god. In the hall. <laughs> and I hear that almost every single time I read the hall. So anyway, uh Loftus Hall or Redmond Hall or The Hall is a mansion. It's located on the Hook, or it's actually pronounced Hook, uh Peninsula in County Wexford, Ireland. Okay. If you look at it on Google Maps, it's really like a really cool area. And the building itself is just like beautiful. It's just covered in windows and it's in the middle of like farmland um, and it's all green and it's right near the ocean. So like it's just surrounded by ocean. It's like gorgeous. I'm looking up a picture so I can uh, have it in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Oh do my that. God. It's beautiful. dude. It's really cool. Yeah, looking. It's very cool. Wow. It's a little ominous. It's a little ominous. It is. Especially since the first picture that pops up, it's just, like, dark and stormy and cloudy. Well, you're going to see why I think they picked that aesthetic. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we're starting all the way back in 1170, if you think that that is a real time that ever existed. That number does not compute in my brain. It does not. So Raymond Legros, or Legros, Le G-R-O-S, I'm sorry, 
landed at what is known as um it's now known as bag and bun which is <laughs> it was named after his two ships la bag and la bon <laughs> okay um, and here he was to fight an important battle to safeguard the arrival of Richard de Clare, the second Earl of Pembroke, to Ireland. He acquired land in County Wexford and built a castle known as Houseland Castle. Um, the Redmond family replaced Houseland Castle with another one in about 1350, um, which was around the time of the Black Death. And that second castle was known as Redmond Hall. Okay. Wait, wait. So they destroyed the first one? And rebuilt it on the... Yep, they replaced it. Okay. Um, it, I didn't find anything on, like, whether they just, like, completely knocked it down and rebuilt it, or whether there's parts that were pre-existing from that time, which would be really cool to think about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it is alleged that Alexander Redmond died in the hall in 1650 or 1651. Um, so they were there for a very long time, like 500 years. Um, and after he died, his surviving family was evicted from the land. Um, I'm guessing because they probably couldn't pay the rent or something like that. Who knows? I don't know how things worked back then. Did rent exist in 1650? It did because this family, okay, we'll get into that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's, let's, okay. So let's talk about the Loftus family. The Loftus family was English quote planters. Nicholas Loftus acquired a manor called Feathered on Sea in 1634, which when you're looking at the map, you can see Feathered on Sea, like right near that peninsula that Loftus Hall is on. Okay. And Feathered Castle became the family residence for the Loftus family. After the Redmond family was evicted from Redmond Hall, they moved into Feathered Castle where the Loftus family was living. So Okay. So they moved in with the Loftuses. Either that or they kind of just swapped places because um, Nicholas Loftus acquired, like, he kept getting more land in County Wexford. And eventually he purchased Loftus Hall from, quote, several adventurers and soldiers. What does that mean? It sounds like people are just, like, squatting. They're like, like, I live here now. And he's like, well, can you go? I'll give you some money. And they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's. I have a feeling that's probably what happened. He's like, hey, man, I'll just give you all a ton of money if you leave. And they're just like, okay. Um, okay, so now we're in 1666. Wow. A great year. All right, so in 1666, uh, Nicholas's loftiest son, Henry, uh, moves to the hall, and it becomes the principal residence of the Loftus family. And in 1684, so about 20 years after Henry moved to the hall, Um, Henry Loftus carried out extensive repairs. We will get to that later. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Ryan. You can hang out. That's fine. Just don't interrupt me. Just don't interrupt me. Oh, Fluffy. Yeah, I heard that. Moving on. (laughs) It's 1680 something. It's 1684 when Henry Loftus does all these repairs because everybody just came in and ransacked the place. So now we're going to jump ahead a little bit to 1775. Okay. So here's here's where we get into the here's where we get into the good stuff. Um, there's some conflicting stories. Um, one option that I found is that Charles and Anne Tottenham, a completely separate family family from the Loftuses, were house sitting for the Loftus family when all of this happened. That's one option. Um, the other option is that. Charles Tottenham married Anne Loftus, 
and was required to take her name in order to own the property, thus making him Charles Loftus. Okay. We're going to go with this one as I'm telling this story because it's how it's explained in Chris Rush's book and it's easier to follow. <laughs> it, it makes more sense. I think it makes more sense. I do. I think it makes more sense. Who knows? Like, who? it's been such a long time. Who knows how many times these stories have been flipped around. Right. So Charles and Anne Loftus had six children. There were four boys and two girls. The two girls are the are who we're going to kind of focus on. I actually didn't know there were also sons because in everything that I read in my research up to a certain point, like up until I think Wikipedia, honestly, I didn't find anything about the four boys. So I don't know where they are during all of this. Weird. Okay. I don't know if they, you know, just married away or I don't know. So Anne and Elizabeth are the daughters. So we have Anne Loftus, the mother, and then we have Anne, the daughter. That checks out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. I bet one of the sons was Charles. So. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I'm sure. Um, so Anne Loftus, um, the mother, was very sick for a long time. Uh, she eventually passed away at Feathered Castle, which was their other home. And at first, when she gets sick, she doesn't tell anyone. She's, like, really concerned about her image. She doesn't want people thinking that she's weak. And Charles doesn't notice because he's so concerned about, you know, collecting the rent from his tenants um, and taking care of his land and doing his finances. Um, So, yeah. So his wife passes away. And he's just kind of like, all right, that sucks. Didn't know that was happening. What did she die from? Um, It didn't say. Oh, okay. Uh, it actually might have said so in the book, but I didn't write it down. Okay. But yeah. So after Anne passed away, Charles very quickly marries his cousin. (sighs) Yeah. Her name is, her name is Jane Cliff. And at this point, Elizabeth, one of the daughters, has gotten married and is living away from home. So it's just Charles, Jane, and Anne in the house. Okay. Charles, his daughter, and Charles's new wife, also his cousin. So who knows where the sons are during all of this? Whatever. Anyway, it's very clear that Jane is just married to him for his money and his land. Yeah. Uh, and Anne just hates Jane for a number of reasons. In, in the book, it's very clear like how much Anne just cannot stand this woman, and I kind of understand it. Because she sucks? Yes. Yes, she sucks. <laughs> She sucks a lot. Her father treats Anne like absolute crap. And Jane doesn't do anything. It's very clear all she cares about is, like, the fact that she has a ton of money and, like, slaves and stuff. So, or or servants, I guess we can call them. So this story is is a little sad because Anne's mother has just died. Mm -hmm. Her sister has gone away. Who knows where her brothers are? Um, and Charles and Jane are very regularly, regularly away conducting business. Um, do you have a window open or are those birds just really loud? No, they're just really loud. I closed all the windows. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's okay. It's kind of nice. It's peaceful. Okay. Um, so Anne is kind of left alone at the house, um, pretty often. She doesn't, you know, ever get to leave. Um, and she doesn't really have any friends. So she takes to helping the gardeners when her family isn't home because she enjoys it and there really isn't anything else for her to do. Right. Um, it's not like now where you can like go upstairs and like sit on your phone for six hours. So one day her father gets home and sees Anne helping the servants and he gets pissed. And he tells the servants that 
anyone that's seen even talking to Anne will be fired. Wow. What? Yeah. So we know where his priorities are. Controlling women. Yes. Um, either that or he, it's either that or he just straight up doesn't care. All he cares about is like um, his land and his money. So we're going to put ourselves in the card room. The card room is a room in the house where Charles has his friends and his colleagues come over pretty often to play cards. Um, and they like drink whiskey and they're like screaming and I'm sure it's a great time. Um, but there's lots of competition because they're actually playing with money. Yeah. Charles typically wins. High stakes. Boy. Yes. High stakes. High stakes. And uh, one day, I love this. One day, a mysterious stranger docks his boat at the Hook Peninsula, Hook, sorry, Hook Peninsula during a massive storm. He appears to be alone. Um, somehow he acquires a horse. In Chris Rush's book, he kind of runs out into a field of wild horses and he like raises his arms and the horses like run in a circle and then he like summons one to him and it's just like this crazy like scene. <laughs> But he probably just went to another estate mm -hmm. and stole a horse, just grabbed a random <laughs> one on the beach or something. But either way, either way, he he rides in the storm to the op to the Loftus estate, and Charles welcomes him in and gives him a room to stay in while the storm is calming. Okay. We don't ever get this guy's name, first of all. But either way, Anne is immediately fixated on him. Young handsome stranger? Question mark? Yes. Question mark? And he's like, he's like dressed in all black and he's like mysterious and brooding and like edgy. Yeah, yeah, no, that all checks out. <laughs> so mm. whereas, um, whereas Charles typically wins the card games, like I said, um, this guy keeps like crushing him and is like taunting him over it. Wow. Okay. And so, and so Charles is like getting a little mad, but he's like, it's, you know, it's okay. It's all right. But it's unclear how long this guy stays at their home. Um, it's definitely over a couple of days because over this period of time, Anne and the man become extremely close. Wink, wink. They spend a lot of time alone in the tapestry room with the door closed. Now let's talk about the tapestry room. The tapestry room is Anne's favorite room in the home. The walls and the ceilings are just completely covered in tapestries that were gifted to the Loftus family over like long periods of time. And Anne doesn't, or not many people really go in there. Um, everything is just kind of clashing and it's kind of, you know, dramatic and it stresses people out, I guess, essentially is the way it was described. Mm -hmm. um, so she really likes it because nobody really goes in there. So yeah, the two of them are spending a lot of time in the tapestry room. And Charles starts to get more and more pissed at how much time the two are spending together. And eventually he just like loses his shit. Like one day he's like standing outside the tapestry room, like waiting for them to come out. As soon as they open the door, he tells the man that he needs to leave. He's like, you need to leave tomorrow. You can't stay in our house anymore. Wow. There is a little bit of kind of an argument. Um, but eventually he's like, okay, sure, fine. Um, so he tells Anne that he's leaving, um, but he promises he will be back for her. Oh, it's actually really cute. It's very cute. Um, so the night before he's supposed to leave, they play one last game in the card room and Charles invites two guests over. Um, so it's Charles, Jane, their two guests, Anne and this dude. So 
There's a couple different versions of this story, too, or this part of the story, too. In one version, Charles is, like, drunk and angry that this guy keeps beating him at this card game. And so he slams his fist on the table and he knocks a bunch of cards off the table. And Anne, like, in an attempt to kind of de-escalate everything, bends down to pick up the cards that were dropped on the floor. Mm-hmm. So that's one option. Another option is that she is, you know, looking at her cards and she realizes that she's short a card. So she bends down to pick up a card off the floor. Either way, she leans down to pick up a card that was dropped. And she, um, sorry, my headphones just died. All right. Didn't mean to leave you hanging. That's fine. I am, I am ready. Okay. So either way, Anne leans down and she looks under the table and she sees that the love of her life has cloven hooves for feet. What? <laughs> like, like goat legs? I guess so, yeah. Oh, I see where this is going. Oh, I yeah. I see where this is oh, going. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, man. So she jumps up out of her seat and she's just staring at him. Just, like, bewildered. She's staring at him. And all of a sudden... Okay, in the Ghost Adventures episode, I have to talk about this because I I had to watch it. They dramatize this so much, and the actor playing this stranger just screams, Your daughter is a whore! <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't see that anywhere else. So uh... the story that I like, <clears throat> probably more realistic, is that he stands up and he is maniacally laughing. And suddenly this guy bursts into a huge ball of flames. What? <laughs> and launches himself through the ceiling. <laughs> and he bursts through all of the levels above them and through the roof. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> and everyone's just like, what the fuck? Ah. Oh my god. <laughs> so Charles runs out of the house into the storm and he's like looking for this this guy who we now know is Satan. <laughs> Oh, Satan. Got him. She's dating Satan. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, so there's no sign of this guy. And curiously enough, the ship that he arrived on is gone. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Curious. Mm-hmm. Strokes beard. So, yeah, so uh, Charles orders his servants to repair the hole, the hole in the ceiling Um but no matter how many times they try to repair it, no matter how thick they make the plaster, it just doesn't stay. What? So the holes just start, like, open. So they patch it, they patch it, and then they're like, okay, we're done. And then the next day, Charles comes in and looks up at the ceiling and all the pieces of plaster are just on the floor. Oh. And this keeps happening. So he's firing all of his servants because he doesn't think his servants can do anything right. <laughs> But they ne- they can never fix it. They can never fix it. Um, eventually, he just, like, takes the lazy man's route, and he gets a curtain, and he, like, hangs it from that side of the room, like, from the ceiling to where nobody can, like, see it. And just hides the it, hole. And just hides it. We don't go on that side of the room anymore. No reason. <laughs> don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> so, yeah. Very good handling of the situation. Mm, quite. So, Anne starts to slip into a very deep depression because the man of her dreams just <laughs> just was the devil whatever that was i guess so sure and 
one night she has a dream that he reappears in their home and he tells her that her father had only married her mother for the estate and for her money. And so resentment for her father starts to grow. And one day she calls him out for this and he responds by locking her in the tapestry room. Wow. Rude. Clearly she's losing her mind. So Charles moves her bed and some of her belongings in there. Um, obviously we can speculate on why he did that. Um, either he didn't know how to handle his mentally ill daughter and legitimately thought it would help to lock her in her favorite room. He could have just been scared and panicked. My favorite theory is that he was concerned about his image and he invited, he invites his friends over all the time to play cards with them and they didn't want, he didn't want to have to deal with her. Yeah. So... That sounds more in the time period. Yes. (laughs) And Jane obviously does nothing to help. Elizabeth, her sister, comes to visit a couple of times, but is convinced by her dad and stepmother that Anne is legitimately losing her mind. Oh, sad. So her own sister doesn't believe her. Yeah, and like Anne, Anne is like begging, begging her to take her away, and she's just like, no, I, you know, we don't know how to help you, and it's really sad um her servants can like hear her banging on the door and they can't do anything that's really sad so um Anne is only allowed out of the room when her father has people over to play cards because they don't want people to ask where she is but they also don't want people knowing you know so the only time she's ever allowed to leave is when she has to get dressed up and make herself pretend like everything is fine yikes Oh, yikes. So, again, they're super worried about their public image. Uh, Eventually, Anne starts to refuse to eat or drink, and her health starts deteriorating. Meanwhile, Charles is lying to his family about her care. Um, He tells his family that he's had doctors come and see her, and they don't know what to do, or that they recommended that she be locked in the room. He doesn't ever have anyone come and see her. He doesn't have anyone come and check on her. Fuck. (sighs) She doesn't want, I mean, he doesn't want anyone to know that his daughter is losing her mind, apparently. And if he invites a doctor into their house, that everyone's going to know. Ugh. Yeah. (sighs) So Anne spends most of her time, or I guess all of her time, either in a chair facing the window, waiting for her love to return, or in a fetal position on on the floor, constantly sobbing. That is so sad. Yeah. This poor girl. Yes. Yes. (sighs) I wish I had comforting words, but I don't. (laughs) Either way, uh, eventually her muscles either contracted or the joints in her legs fused um, because she was no longer able to move the bottom half of her body. Oh, no. After a while, she eventually died in the tapestry room, where it really wasn't that long. I mean, this was with, within the year. She died in 1775, which is when the story started. So this all happened very quickly. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and a custom casket had to be made because they couldn't straighten her body. <sighs> oh, I don't like that. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um... Let's talk about how she made her mark 
following her death. Servants reported seeing Anne wandering through the house at night. And eventually, Charles Loftus is just taunted by not only images of his daughter that he locked away in a room to die, but the man that burst through his ceiling. Wow. (laughs) So eventually, Charles Loftus, a Protestant, had a Catholic priest named Father Broders come to exercise the house. Um, Anyone who knows anything about Catholics versus Protestants knows that that's not common. Um, And this is documented. I mean, the church keeps track of when they do exorcisms. It's something that they have to get approved. So do Protestants not do exorcisms or... It's it's the relationship... Yeah, but like, why did he call a Catholic priest instead of a Protestant one? I I don't know. I don't know if it was that he was trying to pay this man off and all of the Protestant priests were saying, no, we're not going to let you pay us off to do this. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's actually a good question. The only things that I found were like... He did it. <laughs> it was very interesting that like he would ask somebody like that to do it. Okay. okay. Um, but he definitely pay- he paid Father Broders in land and in money to do this exorcism. And they had an agreement that they weren't going to talk about it. <laughs> but obviously it's documented. In... Chris Rush's book, Father Broders was unable to exercise the tapestry room. So he exercised the entire house. He went from room to room. He went to the card room and he was apparently able to successfully, you know, do what he needed to do in those rooms. But he was unable to exercise the tapestry room. In fact, he eventually just decides to force whatever, you know, spirits these were into the tapestry room. And to tell everyone never to open the tapestry room again. Well. So. It is popularly reported, although not confirmed, keep in mind, that his gravestone gravestone contains the inscription, quote, I love this. Here lies the body of Thomas Broders, who did good and prayed for all, and who banished the devil from Loftus Hall. Wow. But he didn't. (laughs) He tried. He said he did. And I bet everyone believed him. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. <laughs> until they, like, opened that room one day and they were like, hang yeah. on a second. I mean, yeah, I mean, they did eventually open the room, so. <sighs> so, yeah. Here is another little tidbit that you're going to need to mentally prepare for. Okay. During renovations, um, the skeletal remains of a tiny infant were found in the walls of the tapestry room. What? She had a baby? One can assume. And obviously it fucking died. Like. (sighs) So yeah, before before we talk about um, why I picked this and why I wanted to talk about it. Let me give you let me give you some updates. So in 1800, all keep in mind, all of this happened in 1775. In 1800, the then owner of the hall, the first Earl of Ely, previously Baron Loftus of Loftus Hall, was created Marquess of Ely. It was his descendant, the fourth Marquess, who between 1872 and 1884 refurbished the old hall using the existing structure, resulting in the present house. 
He did all of this under the guidance of his mother, Lady Jane Hope Vare Loftus, lady-in-waiting to Queen Victoria. Weird. So this was an extensive rebuilding. Um, They essentially did this to impress Queen Victoria. That checks out. Yeah. They added a lot of the uh, famous elements that we still see today, um, including the grand staircase when you first walk in. It's like you walk in and there's, um, you know, it splits off to your right and to your left. Ooh, yes. You can still look, you can uh, look up pictures. It's really cool. Um, They also added a mosaic tiled floor. And flushing toilets and blown air heating wow a luxury in 1870 (laughs) that's crazy i feel like that's nuts yeah so yeah it like i said it was believed the renovations were undertaken to impress the queen upon her visiting but this never happened oh so they spent all this money uh the fourth marquess died very young and left the estate Sorry, the fourth Marquess died very young and left the estate and its debt to his cousin. Um, his cousin eventually placed the house on the market. Yikes. Yeah, so they spent all this money. Queen never showed up, and then he just like... He's like, whoops, I can't afford this. <sighs> Why did I take out a loan for this? Yeah, and it's interesting to think about because all of this was done under the guidance of his mother... Lady Jane Hope Vare Loftus. Yeah. So yeah, it was sold in 1917 to the Sisters of Providence. Um, They turned it into a convent and a school for young girls. And then in 1982, um, so about 60, 70 years later, it was purchased by Michael Devereaux, who opened the Loftus Hall Hotel. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, that didn't last long. It closed in the late 1990s, which makes me... Someone who has a degree in hotels and loves hotels, very sad. It was probably too haunted, man. I don't know, man. Um, It could have just been because, like, I mean, this place is not doing so hot. I mean, it's it's doing better now. Um, it's currently owned by the Quigley family. <laughs> um, they've done they've done some work on the house, but there's still a lot left to be done. And you can find pictures of the renovations online. Um, LoftusHall.ie is where you can find those. Um, they're really cool pictures. A lot of it has been restored. Um, and it's been turned into a, a tourist attraction with guided tours and seasonal events. Nice. I was going to ask if you could go in it. Yes, you can. Sick. Yes. Um, this is cool. <clears throat> in 2014, Loftus Hall cemented its reputation as the most haunted house in Ireland when a visitor taking a tour believed that he captured a haunting image on his camera that went viral. 21-year-old Thomas Beavis said he was browsing through the photos on his camera when he noticed the figures of a young woman and an older woman in a window. You can find that picture online, too. Okay. You're going to look it up? Yeah. No, I absolutely (laughs) have to look that up. Hang on. Okay. What should people Google to find this? Loftus Hall. I would almost say Loftus Hall window picture. Ghost in window. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen, like, a ghost picture that is so clear. <laughs> yeah, which, um, I'm not sure how much analysis has been done on the photo. I didn't really look it up. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's, it still looks, like, uh, blurry and shit, but, like. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> 
of all the ghost pictures out there. Anyway, so yeah. Most recently, the gothic thriller The Lodgers was shot at Loftus Hall in 2016. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't do so well. Well. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's pretty much our story. Um, you can still visit Loftus Hall to this day. You can go on tours. Um, there's plenty of pictures online. It's really cool. But we can speculate very heavily on why Anne died and what happened and where the story came from. Okay. One of the main reasons why I wanted to to talk about this story is because I think we can use it as a way to emphasize how important mental health is. Yeah, absolutely. From from this story, I think that we can assume that Anne was abused um, or neglected. Abused and or neglected. Yes and yes. Uh, one account says that the mysterious man asked for Anne's hand in, mar- in marriage, to which Charles refused. There are suggestions that Anne died during childbirth as her father refused a doctor's help. Yeah, and then he didn't want anyone to know that she had had a baby, so he just hid it in the wall. Exactly. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when people, and when people um, were wondering who she had had the baby with, possibly this stranger who had asked her Anne's hand in marriage, to which Charles said no, he didn't want anyone to know. <sighs> well... That is so sad. Yes. I guess the there's also the possibility that she had the baby and then like just it like had died. So she had serious like postpartum depression and mm-hmm. like just literally yeah. yeah. Like all of that together. Yep. Oh my god. There's so many reasons why this could have happened. Um so I mean I, I'm not like I'm not in any way gonna say that I don't think this is real. You know, like, I believe this is very real. I mean, these were real people that were documented as living in the home. There's a history behind this whole place. Um, and, I mean, the story does kind of veer off in a few different directions in a few different places. But where it all converges is the crazy story of this guy showing up and busting up their house. <laughs> Just blasting through the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> So, are the holes in the ceiling still there? Yes. Or did they get fixed? Yes. Wait, what? Really? Um, I don't know. I Okay, so I did see one picture where the hole was very clearly still there. Like, you could see up into, um, you know, the space between the ceiling. But then there was also another picture that I saw where it looked like it had been patched. So, but you can still see it. Like, there's, there's a very clear, like, circle in the ceiling. Weird. I mean, it could have just been easily, it could have easily been something that just, like, happened and they didn't have the money to repair and they didn't want to admit that they didn't have the money to fix it. So they were just like, it's the devil. Right, right, right. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Prior to the time that it became a tourist attraction, um, there wasn't really any proven hauntings or, like, ghosts or anything like that. Um... So it could just be rumors. People could be, you know, just making stuff up. Um, Another theory in the paranormal is collective thought. Um, You know, if you put this idea in your head that you're going to expect something at a place that's haunted, you're probably going to see that, whether it's your mind making it up or, you know, there's that theory too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Uh, there are rumors of nuns dying, you know, from when it was a convent. 
apparently the devil has visited a couple of times. <laughs> like so, recently yeah. or Yeah, dude. Ghost Adventures like jumped straight to demons. They were just like <laughs> Okay, yeah, that checks out. <sighs> um today Anne Tottenham's grave is located in a local graveyard in Wexford. Um, there is something very pecu- very peculiar about it. Uh, unlike the surrounding graves, it is completely cemented over. What? So you, there's no, there's you can't get access to the body. I think is what they were trying to prevent. Okay. A very sad story, um, but it's very clear how mental health was handled back then, and money and status meant a lot more than. Um, the health of your family in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. But yeah, I feel like there's, you know, so many asylums and stuff that people just sent their like misbehaving children to and mental illness was just so rampant and like that sucks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, totally. That sucks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean like husbands husbands would like send their um send their wives to asylums because they were like moody essentially like your wife decides to speak her mind for once and like accidentally like sounds a little angry and you just think that she's losing her mind send her to the asylum he's like yeah i'm not dealing with this bullshit <laughs> yes oh that yeah. is so sad yeah. so that makes story me is so really sad, sad but i like it i mean it's it, it's like it's a very interesting story to me it is pretty interesting very yeah. weird yeah yeah. We are stoked to tell you about our first sponsor, Anchor. If you're like us and you want to start a podcast but have no idea where to start, listen up. So when we first decided to start a podcast, we were looking for a way to put your brain on weird out to the most people um, without having to do the most work. We are so happy that we found Anchor because they distribute our show to apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts for us. This means that our listeners can find us wherever they already listen without having to download anything new. Once you're ready to get going, just create an account and start recording. They have the tools you need to record and edit your podcast. You can even edit on the go from your phone. Anchor has everything you could possibly want, including free transition sounds and photos that you can use to build your show. Not only that, but you can start making money as soon as you release your first episode. The best part is that all of this is free. So if you want to make a podcast, go to anchor.fm and get started today. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. By supporting them, you're supporting podcasts like us, too. Anyway, um, let's go to the brighter side of things, or at least try to. Can you, do you want to, do you want to, uh, blow my mind with some knowledge? Oh, yes. Ooh. It's time for some meducation. I like that. Thank you. So, (laughs) I'm going to continue our discussion about mental health. Yay! And I'm going to tell you um, a little about how marijuana interacts with anxiety. Um, this is relevant to my interests. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, for people who don't know, marijuana is primarily made up of two active ingredients, THC and CBD. 
THC is the psychoactive part of marijuana. It's it's what gets you high. And CBD is non-psychoactive and it has been proven and is currently used for a range of therapeutic purposes. So that's that's yes. where we're going to jump in right there. All right. <laughs> so there's um 81% of people report that smoking weed helps with their symptoms of anxiety. Wow, that's actually a way higher percentage than I expected. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the doctor, Dr. Peace, Sarah Peace. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I love that name. So she does research, but she's also like a... Um, licensed counselor so oh. she's like this is like lining up with my research lines up with like what i hear from my clients yeah yeah so that's awesome you kind of like get that yeah um i also thought 81 percent was a huge number yeah because i, I like uh, sorry i feel like i feel like sometimes you know when i like have that conversation of like hey do you smoke um, I feel like sometimes there are people are, that are like, oh, no, 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 like, it makes me too anxious. And I feel like that's, like, for me, I feel like that's way more common than 81%. I feel like I get that response, like, pretty often at this point. So that's, like, surprising to me. Yeah. I wonder if it's 81%. Well, it's obviously 81% of people who already smoke weed, though. Oh. I guess you're right. I mean, I guess if you're used yeah. to it. Yeah. Because, like, when I first started smoking, it did kind of freak me out in some cases so yeah there's um let me scroll down just a little bit it can um one of the things with smoking weed is the fact that it actually can um increase the side effects of feeling anxious so it uh, it will um mm -hmm. increase your heart rate mm -hmm. can make you start like sweating more uh shorten your concentration and short-term memory um so there are some things that happen and then obviously there's always the risk of uh just uh smoking mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. but it definitely does help with anxiety also um agoraphobia which is the fear of like going outside in like crowded places um ptsd it helps with that yeah Oh, yeah. okay. And then various phobias and sleep disruptions, disruptions related to anxiety. Oh, yeah, that one's big. Yes. Um, so that is all what Dr. Pace is, has found out. Yeah. So most of the conclusions from the research that has been done related to um, marijuana and social anxiety in particular is what was reported on. Mm -hmm. It's not the THC that helps you with the anxiety. It's the CBD in the weed. Mm -hmm. So that's the non-psychoactive thing. And um, because that CBD has been, like, legal, I guess, for a longer time, mm -hmm. there's been a lot more opportunities to do studies on it. And there is some evidence that um, high levels of THC can be associated with increased anxiety, but low doses may actually help. Yeah. 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 I get that. Yeah. So if you are someone who has a lot of anxiety 
and you want to smoke weed to help with that, you want to look for a strain that has a higher CBD content and a lower THC content. Mm -hmm. And obviously the best way to do that is to go to a uh, dispensary and like check it out, especially if it's one of your first time smoking weed or trying to use it for a therapeutic purpose. Yeah, the people at dispensaries are really helpful. You can find somebody who's like really knowledgeable to kind of walk you through what they think that would work for you, you know? Yeah, so you, it, there is the um, use of marijuana as this uh, therapeutic person purpose for treating anxiety obviously um there are other things that you should be doing with this treatment um consider like therapy and doing some mindfulness exercises and things like that but i know for you and for me um having the option to smoke marijuana really helps with anxiety yeah. So, yeah, I fully support this. <laughs> yeah, I actually um, this isn't meant to say like people, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to say like you shouldn't take medications that are prescribed to you, especially for, you know, anxiety and, and stuff like that. But I had a couple of really bad ex experiences with um, anti-anxiety and anti-depression medication. And um, I have almost always found that being off of those medications and smoking when I don't feel great um, actually does more for me. Um, that's just me personally. Like, like, again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take your medication. If your medication works for you, 100% like work with, with a psychiatrist to get the right dosage and everything that works. But like, it didn't work for me. And like weed has done way more for me. Yeah, just know that there are other options out there if you know, maybe taking a pill doesn't appeal to you. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, I smoke weed and I am on a antidepressant and I have been for several years and it works really well for me and I am like the best I've ever been. Yeah, man. But you gotta get the balance. Yeah, there is a balance and it is different for everyone. So make sure you just uh, talk to your doctor. Yeah. If you smoke weed, you really should. <laughs> yeah 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 and uh yeah. if if you have never smoked before and you need somebody to kind of walk you through stuff our messages our dms are open yes please understand that we are not correct. licensed correct or doctors or anything like that but we will help you smoke weed yes <laughs> yes I was helped to smoke weed by a friend who was helped to smoke weed by a friend who was helped to smoke weed by a friend. And the chain goes on and on and on. And I'm waiting for my, I'm waiting for my, uh, <laughs> your pupil, my pupil. Yes. Yeah. Your apprentice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. You're like apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> Sensei. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I liked that. That was very, I'm glad that we, we picked mental health stuff to talk about because uh, I feel like I feel like it's been hard the last couple of weeks or so. So it's good we talk about it. Yeah, I think it is very important to talk about it and talk about it openly 
and you know i hope it helps someone to at least hear us talk about it openly yeah 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 <sighs> i think that's it yeah um is that it that's it <laughs> okay do you have anything else to say uh let's see this comes out by the time this comes out we will have released two episodes and one mini episode or a little weird um so we hope you guys like those if this is your first time listening like we said welcome um the other two and a half episodes are also really great you should go listen to those (laughs) um oh i also wanted to say thank you to my twitter network for giving me a pep talk a few days ago a couple of guys who also, you know, run podcasts related to this topic kind of like amped me up a little bit um, and kind of told me that I we don't need to focus on always, you know, being right or how much we know or anything like that and that we should just focus on the discussion. And it was just yeah. a really nice. Yeah, it was just a really nice interaction. So I wanted to give a shout out to those guys. Um, really cool on the Internet. So thank you. Boy. Boy. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, thank you to everyone who has listened so far. And yeah, we look forward to making more of these. Yes, you can find us on social meds. You can you can find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, we also have a Patreon. You can email us too. Oh yes, yeah. Oh my god, I haven't used email in so long for anything important. I know. I know. Oh yeah, and um thank you thank you to um our Patreon supporters. I've been trying to put up stuff on Patreon um a little bit earlier. Our episodes get released 24 hours earlier than they do to everybody else on um Patreon. So if that's something that interests you and you want to hear our episodes a little bit earlier, um I def- definitely recommend it starts at $5 a month. And I'm going to work on editing part of episode one that I clipped it was like maybe about a half an hour portion I told a couple of stories but the episode was just too long with them in there so I had to take it out but it's really good um so I'm gonna clip that and I'm gonna put it on patreon and hopefully you guys like it and uh that's it hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah and uh well uh once again I'm Sam and this is Jess And this has been your brain on weird. Yay! Yay!